Thank you. Welcome to the Scottsdale Big Book Study, where we will <clears throat> study the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Today's date is September 2nd, 2023. My name is Tanya G, and I'm a compulsive overeater from Louisiana, and I will be your host for today's study. Our co-hosts are um, Nancy, Audrey, um, Sue, and even Meta today. So thank you for your service. If you have any questions during the meeting, please contact either myself or any of the co-hosts by private message in the chat function. The chat function will be disabled until five minutes before the questions and answer session. Please note that the speaker Harlan G will be recorded for the duration of the study. However, the questions and answer session, which follows, will not be recorded. We ask if you can, please make sure you keep your microphone on mute at all times during today's study. And please turn off your video if you are exercising, eating, or if you need to step away from your screen for any reason. During the meeting, we will post a link to our seventh tradition. This money goes towards the cost of our Zoom account, the cost of uploading our recordings, and we also send contributions to our group <clears throat> WSO. We will post a link to the previous week's recordings. These are available by clicking on the link that will be posted in the chat box. Now I will turn the meeting over to Harlan G. Thank, Thank you, Tanya. Thank you very, very much. I'm so honored to be here. I am thrilled. I am at uh, near, I'm not at, I'm near Poop Park in Arlington Heights, Illinois, where the dogs come to poop. NP, and I'm staying at a penthouse perusing the perspective of Poof Park. So I'm very happy to be able to watch it every morning unfolding. Very good. Very good. Um, anyway, I'm really glad to be here. And I hope that wherever the heck you are, usually I say this from Arizona, but it is a beautiful day in Chicago today. It is just absolutely breezy and gorgeous. So I hope whether you're listening to this on podcast or you're with us right now, uh, that it is as absolutely stunning where you are as it is in the northwestern suburbs of Chicago this morning on September 2nd. Can you believe it is September already? My Lord in heaven, it is unbelievable. Now, before we get started, I do want to plug something for those of you who are here or listening on a podcast, I want you to please come to the OA birthday. It is a magnificent uh, convention. It is one of two conventions that concerns itself with content rather than political office. But what, what do I mean by that? Most of the time when you go to some conventions, regional conventions or world conventions or something like that, you will find a lot of the speakers are office holders. They're people who do a lot of service. And that's great. That's fantastic. But in a lot of scenarios, um, they may not be the most qualified people to have the microphone in their hand. But at the OA birthday, when you go to a seminar, when you go to a workshop, when you go to the big book study, when you go to the sober eating workshop, the closing ceremony, opening ceremonies, uh, you're finding that the people have something to say. Usually, not usually, the birthday takes great care in perusing who has that workshop, who is doing that. And it is a great way for you to expand your God squad. It is a fantastic way to pop a lot of life into your program. And there is a bottom line here, and that is this. 
we deserve to have some fun. And this is a very safe environment. A lot of us have social anxiety. A lot of us have a lot of doubts and, and dreads when it comes to being with people. This is a very safe um, environment because it is OA people and, and it is really a nice convention. So anyway, I, I hope that all of you will come to the convention. And I hope that all of you will enjoy it. I know it can be a game changer. Okay. We are in the chapter, The Family Afterward. And this chapter is very integral. You know, we have been talking about the 12th step. And the 12th step has three distinct parts to it. The first part of the 12th step is having had a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps. And the second part is we tried to carry this message, the message of the big book, to the uh, compulsive overeater who still suffers. But the third part is often the most overlooked part. And it says, and we practice these principles in all of our affairs. What are the principles? The principles are the steps. They are synonymous. Decades after Bill Wilson had written this book, around the 1980s or 90s, somebody sat down and said, oh, the principle of step one is honesty, and the principle of step two is hope, and the principle of step three is whatever. I don't know. And so we can get confused. When Bill Wilson is referring to the principles, he is referring to the steps. That's what he is referring to. So to practice the steps in all of our affairs. Well, what are, are, uh, what are our affairs? I knew I'd get it out eventually. What are our affairs? Well, many of us have significant others. Uh, so we have a chapter to wives. And then we have the family. We have the people sort of, they're, they're not outside the circle, but they're not quite in that circle of the significant other. That's the family afterward. And then we have the to the employer. So the to the employer is our work life. And that is a very important part of our life as well. But we're in the family afterward and we're on page 125. It says, we families of alcoholics. And that's where we're going to start. Page 125, we families of alcoholics anonymous. But before we get there, I just want to sort of review where we have taken this in the last week. And what we talked about last week is we talked about how we have to exercise patience and tolerance and love and acceptance on ourselves as we are instructed to practice them with the alcoholic or addict in our life. And so we have to be patient. And many of us go through very painful and very, very protracted gestation periods to our recovery because the disease, one of the things about the disease of compulsive overeating, which bulimia and anorexia would obviously fit into this is they tell you what? That nothing is wrong. The, the disease of compulsive overeating unlike strep throat, unlike, God forbid, you know, cancer or something like this, it tells you that absolutely nothing is wrong. And it tells you, you can handle this yourself. And so as we find out, we can't, we go through very destructive years of our life, in most cases, decades of our life. And that's one of the reasons that you find that we have an older demographic than other addictions. 
The other addiction, like I'll just take Alcoholics Anonymous for one. For one, The average person in Alcoholics Anonymous is 33 years old. The average person coming into OA is 55 years old. So that the gestation period, the period of torture and hell in this, in our disease is longer. And if any of you know Leah M, she's the co-founder of A Vision for You. She says, it's like, this is like getting kicked to death by a bunny rabbit. It's slow, very, very sort of innocuous pace. And then one day you find yourself black and blue on the side of the road, screaming for help. But in Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, they have a more violent kind of bottom. They have a more violent sort of reaction from the disease. And this is like getting kicked to death by a bunny rabbit. And that's why it often takes us so much longer. The other reason that it takes us so much longer is in Alcoholics Anonymous, in Narcotics Anonymous, in Gamblers Anonymous, whatever anonymous you happen to look at, they don't have a multi-billion dollar industry of people beckoning you to their solution, like the pay and ways and the pills and the, 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 the surgical procedures, things like that. Now, I'm not expressing an opinion about those things. I'm not saying I'm for them or against them. But what I'm saying is they don't have to, when I say they, I mean AA, NA, NA, Al-Anon, things like that. They don't have multi-billion dollar uh industries to compete with and we do you cannot turn on your television set today you cannot go on the internet today you cannot go in a bookstore today you can't go to a drugstore today and not be besieged by weight loss books weight loss products things like that every time i go to the drugstore to fill a prescription I notice this vast expanse of the weight loss section of the drugstore. It's just unbelievable. It's, it, and by my estimation, it is the biggest section of the store is weight loss, pills and potions and, and, and all kinds of stuff. My God. Well, in those programs, they don't have that. So we have that. And we have to exercise the same kind of love and tolerance and patience with ourselves that we are instructed to do with others. And we're gonna we're gonna be visiting that again. If you missed last week or you missed the week before, don't worry. We're gonna be visiting these things again because when the big book wants to teach us something, it never tells it to us once. It tells it to us repeatedly because Bill Wilson, whether he knew it or not, I couldn't tell you. I know that God knew it and I believe God wrote the book. The purest form of instruction is repetition. And because the purest form of instruction is repetition, the big book is quite repetitive. It's quite repetitive in the lessons that it teaches, as is the other big, big book that some of us are talking about today, if you're Jewish or tomorrow, if you're not or whatever. But in that other big, big book, lots and lots of repetition, lots and lots of repetition. And uh, OK, let's go to page 125. And we're going to start with We Families of Alcoholics Anonymous. We families of Alcoholics Anonymous keep few skeletons in the closet. 
Everyone knows about the other's alcoholic troubles. This is a condition which in ordinary life would produce untold grief. There might be scandalous gossip, laughter at the expense of other people, and a tendency to take advantage of intimate information. Among us, there are these are rare occurrences. We do talk about each other a great deal, but we almost invariably temper such talk by a spirit of love and tolerance. So let's visit this paragraph and let's remember that this paragraph is vitally important because what we want to do is we want to remember that when we start talking about someone else, generally, Generally, we are not in recovering ground. We are generally in the grounds of gossip and trying to do what I call opinion management rather than helpful instruction. I have enough crap in my own story to make any point I need to make. And sometimes we do talk about each other in the point of, gosh, uh, where is where is Mo, Larry, Curly? They haven't been around for a while. Or, gosh, I noticed that so-and-so hasn't been here for a while. That's not what we're talking about. Or, or you can say, gosh, I, I wish that uh, Joe would come back to our meeting or Mike would come back to our meeting. I really miss him. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about here is I understand Fred was married and he did this and he did. That's what we're talking about. So we have to really ask ourselves all the time, is what I'm saying necessary? Is it true? And is it necessarily is it necessary that I say it right now? Is it necessary? Is it true? Do I need to be saying it? So we have to be careful because this, if this is not a safe environment for everyone, it is not a safe environment for anyone. And sometimes on Vision for You, you will hear things that people say, especially in the second meeting, that might hurt someone's feelings. Like there was a person who buzzed in to answer a question not long ago. This is about two months ago. And someone else was, they had a live uh, phone in their hand. They said, oh, not this person. We have to really watch that kind of stuff because we are immature, sensitive, stick a pin in sensitive. We're going to come back to that. We are immature, sensitive, um, perfectionistic rebels. We are immature, sensitive, sensitive, perfectionistic rebels. And remember, always be what be mindful. Does it is it is it uh, is it true? Does it need to be said? And does it need to be said right now by me? Those are very important parameters. So when you know something about somebody that probably shouldn't be broadcasted, don't broadcast it. If you have to ask the question, remember what Billy Shakespeare said. Billy Shakespeare was a great recovering person. And Bill Shakespeare said, therein lies the question, therein lies the answer. If I'm asking myself, should I really be repeating this? The answer is no, no. Better stick to your own story because when you start to color outside the lines and you are deliberately coloring outside those lines, remember always 
that if this is not a safe environment for everyone, it is not a safe environment for anyone. And so if I want you to know that I robbed a bank, or I want you to know that I uh, threw my fourth grade teacher out the window, uh, which I wanted to do, but that's okay. That's for another time. Uh, she was crazy, but that's all right. Um, but no, I'm sure if, if I want you to know those things, I will tell you. Now I have to tell my sponsor everything. Yes, because we now I know that in the questions and the answers, you're going to say, well, Harlan, you always tell us that one of the impediments to God is a secret that you will not tell. That's about yourself, not about someone else. So if I know a secret about someone else, I am not responsible for telling that secret. Very, very important. Talk about yourself. Awesome. Very good. Thumbs up. Talk about someone else. Not so good. Thumbs down. Unless you are absolutely sure beyond reason that that topic of conversation is okay. And some of you will hear things uh, that, that we say, but these are things that people have shared in open forum. These are people that have made it very clear that it's, it's perfectly okay to share those things. But anything you hear that's not shared in an open forum, that gets locked in the vault. Very, very important. We're going to stay right with that theme as we go into the next paragraph, and we're actually going to expand on it. Another principle we observe carefully. Now, that principle does not reflect back to the steps. It reflects to a truth. Principle can also mean a truth or an axiom. Another principle we observe carefully is we do not relate intimate experiences of another person unless we are sure he would approve. Now, if there's doubt, leave it out. I'm going to say that again. If there's doubt, leave it out. Before you color outside those lines, remember you have a story. Talk about yourself. And as long as you're talking about yourself, you're always on safe ground. We shouldn't have to go up in front of people or on the phone or in a meeting and be talking about someone else. Now, if a person is dead, because this is a question that comes up quite a bit. What about if a person is dead? Ask yourself a question. If I relate that Bill Wilson cheated on his wife and cheated on his wife in a serial kind of way and Lois is still alive, I'm out of bounds. I'm completely out of bounds. That is something I do not relate because Lois is alive and might not know. But if I'm going to say Bill Wilson had liaisons outside of his marriage and Lois has been dead since 1988, now I'm okay. They didn't leave any children. They, they never had kids. And there's no one that's going to be hurt by this. So even if you're relating stories of people who have passed away, is the story you're relating, if it boomerangs back to the family, could it hurt someone that's still alive? 
you always have to be careful not to hurt people because you do not have the right to do that. Now, again, here's your watchword. Talk about yourself. You don't, you shouldn't really need anyone else's story to make your point. There's not a point I can make. <clears throat> There's not a point I can make where I don't have something from my own story that illustrates the point beautifully, just beautifully. Let's continue. A man may criticize or laugh at himself and it will affect others favorably, but criticism or ridicule coming from another often produces the contrary effect. I can laugh at myself because I broke furniture. I can laugh at myself because I didn't go to the to the homecoming dance or I didn't, whatever it is, doesn't matter what it is. I can laugh at myself, but if you're laughing at me or you're laughing about something that happened in my life, that can take a total opposite situation and it can really, really ruin someone's day. It can really, really put someone off to coming here. So again, before you color outside the lines and you cross that boundary, just remember, chances are you are not operating from recovery. You are operating from opinion management. And we don't want to engage in a bunch of opinion management. We want to operate from the standpoint of recovery. When I say opinion management, what I'm talking about specifically is I'm telling you something so you'll like me. If I gossip about Fred, and you and I are co-workers, I'm getting this impression that we're bonding over our criticism of Fred. Nothing could really be further from the truth. The kind of relationships that that produces are very, very shaky, unhealthy relationships anyway, and I don't want them. But if I'm engaged in opinion management, I am out of bounds. I'm now coloring outside the lines. is. I hope that that's clear. And I hope that that's something that doesn't sort of take up a bunch of questions and answers when we get to that. Okay. Uh, members of a family should watch such matters carefully for one careless, inconsiderate remark has been known to raise the very devil. And I've seen that many times. I've been in OA for 44 years. Trust me, I've seen it all. I have seen everything a person could see, short of murder, short of first degree murder, I have seen it all. And I have seen people that turn their back on OA, turn their back on their recovery, and they have never been back, at least that I'm aware of, in decades and decades. So maybe that was a reason. No, maybe it was an excuse. Yes, but we don't want to give anyone an excuse not to recover. Are we responsible for the recovery of another? No, but we are responsible for coloring inside the lines so that we do not make trouble for someone else. We want to be considerate of others and we want to be um uh, tough on ourselves sometimes, but always, always, always 
considerate of others and their feelings. Color inside the lines, stick to your story. When I say color inside the lines, I mean don't gossip, don't sensationalize at another person's expense. Talk about yourself. You don't need to be talking about anyone else. If you are a compulsive overreader who's in these rooms, you have enough ammunition in your story to make any point you need to make. Okay. We alcoholics are sensitive people. It takes some of us a long time to outgrow that serious handicap. I'm not as bad as I used to be, but I'm really, really working on that. And I have to work on being overly thin skinned all the time. And this is, I'm a work in progress, just like you are. I may be me and you are you, but I'm a work in progress too. And that means I work on this issue of being sensitive by remembering I don't have to engage with every thought in my head. I don't have to pick up every piece of luggage on the rack. And if you think I'm a jerk or you think I'm a moron, I don't have to give that credibility. I can ignore that. And that took a long time, a long time for me to come to that conclusion. I don't have to engage with every thought in my head. And I try on a daily basis to ignore 20 to 30% of the information that comes across my brain. If it comes across my brain and, and, and I pick up everything, I'm going to have a very, very tough life because I don't have the energy to engage. I don't have the bandwidth for that. So there's a lot of Narishkeit. Narishkeit is foolishness in Yiddish. There's a lot of narish kite that I hear that if I picked it up and ran with it, I have a very sucky life. Bottom of 125, many alcoholics are enthusiasts. They run to extremes. At the beginning of recovery, a man may take, as a rule, one of two directions. This is very true for me. He may either plunge into a frantic attempt to get on his feet in business or he may be so enthralled by his new life that he talks or thinks of little else. In either case, certain family problems will arise. With these, we have had experience galore. What does that mean? That means that we have a tendency to throw ourselves into whatever's in front of us. And when a person is new in recovery, they often will find that's all they want to talk about and they want to go proselytize this to the world. I recently, recently, I would say right around my birthday, right around my birthday, the end of May, I took a call from a woman and she wanted to go to her local school that her, her son had graduated from. He was now in middle school and she wanted to talk to the principal and she wanted to talk to the teachers and she wanted to talk to the PTA and she wanted to talk to the board of education. And what she wanted to talk to them about was she wanted the 12 step program to be part of their curriculum and teach the kids about how to get into the 12 step programs and this and that. And I said to her, whoa, 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 take, take it easy. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, let's just keep everything in an even keel. And what I said to this person was, it's nice that you are that enthusiastic, but A, they have their curriculums. They have their things that they need to cover because in whatever states they're in, there are certain things they need to get done. And B, 
let's work on you. You have to work on you right now and make your program a program of attraction. Yes, I believe that schools and all that stuff should teach kids uh, that it's okay to need help, but we don't want to embroil ourselves in outside issues. I think you know, I think what I think about schools, I think what I think about the world we live in, I think what I think about, you know, all kinds of different issues and, and, and different amendments to the Constitution that I wish were different or whatever, I won't get into which ones. But the bottom line is, is that we have a situation on our hands where the best thing we can do most of the time is three things, recover, recover, and recover. So let's not go out and proselytize the world and, uh, and and do that, you know, sometimes these people from, from different religions, you know, they come to the door and they knock on the door and they want to talk to you about this and they want to talk to you about this and that. And many of us, we, we don't really want to hear it. The world is the same way with anything like that. So let's just work on ourselves. And as far as going in and fishing or business or hunting or baseball, whatever that might, well, baseball is a good thing. No, but in, in terms of that, we just want to keep everything on an even keel and we want to render unto God what is God's and render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. What does that mean? We take our spiritual life and our recovery life, we keep it in perspective. And when we say render unto Caesar, what that means is take care of your business, pay your taxes. What that really means is render unto Caesar. What is Caesar's means pay your taxes to Rome. But we're going to just take that for our purposes as you have, I take care of my business. I get on the phone, I sell on the phone, I do what I need to do, and then I render unto God what is God. I have a uh, recovery person that I do step 11 with in the morning and a step 11 at night, and I have my sponsors and I have different people that I speak to that I sponsor and I talk to them every day. And so that's when I do the program stuff, that's rendering unto God what is God's. And then I have to do my business. I have to sell and I have to bill and collect and I have to pay the radio stations. And I, that's rendering unto Caesar what is Caesar's. So part of recovery is a word that we all hear every day. And the word is balance, balance. When we find ourselves tipping way off into the spiritual or way off into the business or way off into the recreation, we normally find that the best of lives, and I work on this every day because I have trouble cutting loose and having a good time. I have, unless I'm just sitting in front of the TV set, then I'm as good as anybody or sitting at Kentucky Fried Chicken. No, I'm kidding. But if I'm going to be honest with myself, I need help with this balance too, because I often have trouble with the recreational part of the of the of the life that I lead. It's hard for me to cut loose. So I have to work on that all the time. I don't need help doing more recovery stuff. I'm 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 okay there, I would say. I'm all right there. Um, but we remember we we recover to live. We don't live to recover. We recover to live rather than live to recover means very specifically recovery is, in, is the most important thing in my life. 
it cannot be my life. I have to have a significant other. I thank God. I have to have friends. Um, I have to have recreation. Although the Cubs broke my heart last night, I was lucky enough to be able to see the game. And I was lucky enough to be with somebody that I adore. And they blew it in the ninth inning. I almost cried. They were winning two to one in the ninth inning and they lost three to two. I almost started bawling in the restaurant. I couldn't believe it. I look up and the Reds are dancing around. Oh, no. So anyway, that was like getting kicked in the stomach. Trust me, they play tonight, but I won't get to see the game. But anyway, there's college football on today. But okay, anyway. So we have to we have to keep balance. That word balance is so important. A, a, a healthy life, a, a life well lived, is a life of balance. And yes, I render unto God what is God's, but I render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Very important stuff. I'm at the top of 126. And it says, we think it dangerous if he rushes headlong at his ec economic problem, okay? I rushed headlong into my TV problem because I had a deficiency in watching The Addams Family and I was woefully behind on my monster watching and I was woefully behind in other Narish Kite nonsense. But I am by I am lazy by nature. I am not a, I am not the hardest worker. So I have to force myself often. And I have resentments. You know, I want to be retired. I don't want to do radio anymore. But I have to. So I often have to say, okay, you, you've nourished around on the internet. You've done what you needed to do. You've, you've nourished around with every sports highlight you can possibly conjure up here. Every little comic from Family Circus to Beetle Bailey to Dennis the Menace and Blondie. Now it's time to get on the phone and make some money. So, and I have an inspector, one of my friends, he will call me and say, what are you doing? What's going on? Let's do it. I haven't heard from you because every time I get an order, I have to tell him what happened. So he'll call me and say, hey, I haven't heard from you in a while. What the hell's going on over there? He, I call him the inspector, the assistant inspector. Okay. So anyway, so I have my crew of inspectors. So anyway, we have to have balance in our life. The family will be affected also pleasantly at first as they feel their money troubles are about to be solved. Then not so pleasantly as they find themselves neglected. I can't be in two places at the same time. I can't be working constantly on my recovery and be available for different things. I can't be doing recreation all the time and be, be uh, recovered. So again, what is the word I pointed out before balance balance is so key balance dad may be tired at night and preoccupied by day he may take small interest in the children and show irritation when reproved for his delinquencies 
If not irritable, he may seem dull and boring, not gay and affectionate as the family would like him to be. Mother may complain of inattention. They are all disappointed and often let him feel it. Beginning with such complaints, a barrier arises. He is straining every nerve to make up for lost time. He is striving to recover fortune and reputation and feels he is doing well. I'm going to give you a very sad fact. And I wish that I could tell you something different, but I cannot. You cannot make up for lost time. By definition, it is lost. There are ships that have sailed, that sailed in the face of it being unfair to me that they, that they sailed. My youth, my career, my choices, my dreams, my aspirations, many went up in smoke. They were lost, and when lost, were lost forever. I have to just go from where I am. And as we chase the past, we burn the future. We burn the present. And so don't throw good money after bad. What does that mean, don't throw good money after bad? Well, the easiest example I could give you is an automobile There comes a point in an automobile's life where the best thing I can do is, tr is, is get rid of it because I'm fixing it and I'm fixing it and I'm fixing it. And, and as soon as A goes wrong and I fix A, B now breaks. There's a lifespan to a car. A life is sort of like that too. You cannot throw good money after bad and think you're going to be okay. Sometimes you just have to pick life up from where you are and live it from this point forward. But this idea that you're going to make up for the lost past is often what kills us. And it murders our future and it sucks our present. There's an old, old uh, expression in 12-step world. If you have one foot in tomorrow and one foot in yesterday, you pee on today. So we have to live in the present moment. And the reason that it's called the present moment is because it's a gift. So my strong advice to myself is don't spend a bunch of time trying to recapture the past. It's gone. Just live from this point forward. And the day, the moment, the second, once it's gone, it's gone. We have to live from where we are. Page 126. Sometimes mother and children don't think so. Having been neglected and misused in the past, they think father owes them more than they are getting. They want him to make a fuss over them. They expect him to give them the nice times they used to have before he drank so much and to show his contrition for what they suffered, but dad doesn't give freely of himself. Resentment grows. He becomes still less communicative. Sometimes he explodes over a trifle. The family is mystified. They criticize, pointing out how he is falling down on his spiritual program. We have to learn how to walk in new shoes. 
And sometimes when you get a new pair of shoes, there's a break-in period where they're very uncomfortable. We've all had brand new shoes that bothered our feet. And recovery is no different. It is exactly the same. You have to learn how to balance. You have to learn how to recover. You have to learn how to, to, um, to, to walk and navigate your life. And without that, without that knowledge, without that experience, you cannot acquire the knowledge. And then you learn how to navigate. You learn how to balance. But we are works in progress. So as we are called upon to exercise love and tolerance and patience of others, we learn to have love and tolerance and patience with ourselves. And we are works in progress. Let's continue. Bottom of 126. This sort of thing can be avoided. Both father and the family are mistaken. Though each side may have some justification, it is of little use to argue and only makes the impasse worse. The family must realize that dad, though marvelously improved, is still convalescing. They should be thankful he is sober and able to be of this world once more. Let them praise his progress. Let them remember that his drinking wrought all kinds of damage that may take long to repair. If they sense these things, they will not take so seriously his periods of crankiness, depression, or apathy, which will disappear when there is tolerance, love, and spiritual understanding. Once again, I know it sounds like I'm beating a dead horse, but I'm not. As you are instructed to give dad, the alcoholic, tolerance, love, and spiritual understanding, give it to yourself. You have been through hell in a handbasket. You have been through the ringer. Most people who have been with through what you have been through as an anorexic, as a bulimic, as a compulsive overeating person who got obese or wherever your situation is, wherever you fit in on the, on the spectrum, most people are not where you are today in a room where they're trying to recover. Most turn to the wall and die, and they just say, I can't do it. So you are learning. You are growing. You are a work in progress. Tolerance, love, and spiritual understanding can be reflected by you. That does not mean that every once in a while you eat chocolate turtles. That does not mean every once in a while you say to yourself, well, I haven't had this in a while and I do love myself and I'm going to practice some understanding. No, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is you give those things to yourself, but you don't quote unquote reward yourself with food. Yeah, a reward. That's some reward. It's poison. It ruined my life. It made me lonely. It made me sick. It made me the butt of jokes. I mean, I could go on for five hours, but I'm not going to reward myself with something that makes my life suck. 
127, the head of the house ought to remember that he is mainly to blame for what befell his home. He can scarcely square the account in his lifetime, but he must see the danger of over-concentration on financial success. Although financial recovery is on the way for many of us, we found we could not place money first. For us, material well-being always followed spiritual progress. It never preceded. Wow. I knew we would get to that. Here's what I'm going to say to you. Try to make deals with God. Quid pro quo. God, bring me some money. Bring me a girlfriend. Bring me some money. Bring this. Bring that. Give me this. Give me that. And when all those things are in place, I will then do your steps and I will then believe in you. And it doesn't work that way. What works is for me to do the work and God will provide for me. At the top of page 63, at the top of page 63, it tells me anything and everything I need to know. And I've told you this at the beginning of this session, that when the big book wants to teach us something, it never teaches it to us once it repeats it because the purest form of instruction is repetition. When we sincerely took such a position, I'm reading from page 63. We were just talking about financial health and we were just talking, when we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer being all powerful. He provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves. Our little plans and designs more and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. As we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, as we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. We were reborn. Now, am I a millionaire? No. Can I retire? No. Are my bills paid? Yes. Do I have money in the bank? Yes. Can I, do I have excellent credit? Yes. Yes. There were banks in Chicago that wouldn't have given me five singles for a $5 bill cash. Cash. They wouldn't do it because my credit was so bad. Now I can buy a car on my signature and I've done it. Now I can buy my house, which I bought, and I have such good credit, I don't pay mortgage insurance. I don't pay mortgage insurance because they're pretty sure they're going to get their money. Did that come about as a result of something I did? No. Did it come about as a result of something God did? Yes. Yes. Since the home has suffered more, I'm on page 127. Since the home has suffered more than anything else, it is well that a man exert himself there. He is not likely to get far in any direction if he fails to show unselfishness and love under his own roof. We know the, there are difficult wives and families, but the man who is getting over alcoholism must remember he did much to make them so. Each, as each member of a resentful family begins to see his shortcomings and admits them to the others, he lays a basis for helpful discussion. These family talks will be constructive if they can be carried on without heated argument. 
self-pity, self-justification, or resentful criticism. Little by little, mother and children will see they ask too much, and father will see he gives too little. Top of page 128. Giving rather than getting will become the guiding principle. Giving rather than getting. Once again, over and over and over again in the big book, we are taught to add to the scenario rather than take out. See what we can put in rather than what we can take out. Very, very important stuff. Very important. I'm at the top of 128. Assume, on the other hand, that Father has at the outset a stirring spiritual experience. Overnight, as if, as it were, he is a different man. He becomes a religious enthusiast. He is unable to focus on anything else. As soon as his sobriety begins to be taken as a matter of course, the family may look at their strange new dad with apprehension. Then, then with irritation, sorry. There is talk about spiritual matters, morning, noon, and night. He may demand that the family find God in a hurry or exhibit amazing indifference to them and say he is above worldly considerations. He may tell mother who has been religious all her life that she doesn't know what it's all about and that she had better get his brand of spirituality while there is yet time. Work on you. I'll work on me, you work on you. We don't have to proselytize the world. This is not a secret society. It is not a secret situation. But what we don't have to do is go out and change the world. It will be nice if the world did work a 12-step program. That would be fantastic. That was the original goal of the Oxford group, was to bring their principles, bring their absolutes to the world. And it didn't work. And it didn't work for a lot of reasons. Not the least of which is people are people. And some of them want certain things in their life and some of them don't. So, you know, it's not, there's no right or wrong. Some people want to work a 12 step program. Others don't. And there's really nothing that can be done. There's no right. There's no wrong. It's just what's good for that person. I couldn't tell you. Uh, page 128, when father takes this tack, the family may react unfavorably. They may be jealous of a God who has stolen dad's affections while grateful that he drinks no more. They may not like the idea that God has accomplished the miracle where they failed. They often forget father was beyond human aid. They may not see why their love and devotion did not straighten him out. Dad is not so spiritual, spiritual after all, they say. If he means to right his past wrongs, why all this concern for everyone in the world but his family? What about his talk that God will take care of them? They suspect father is a bit balmy. This is something that Lois Wilson and Bill went through, and this is something that a lot of Alanans go through. We read the words, they may be jealous of a God who has stolen dad's affections while grateful he drinks no more. They may not like the idea that God has accomplished the miracle where they failed. <clears throat> Lois Wilson was the co-founder of Al-Anon. Her and Ann Bingham, Ann Bingham and Lois Wilson founded Al-Anon in, I believe, 1950. Well, Lois Wilson was very resentful 
that in the summer of 1935, in December of 34, Bill put down the liquor. But in, in the summer of 1935, Bill was actually living, not permanently, but temporarily. He lived there uh, April, May, June, and July, four months in Akron, Ohio. He was living first at the Mayflower Hotel for a little while, and then he moved in with Dr. Bob and Ann, Dr. Bob and Ann Smith. And here is Lois Wilson. And Lois Wilson, for 17 years, between 1917 and 1934, did everything she could possibly do to sober up Bill Wilson. And along comes Ebby, who was a drunk, who in her opinion was a bit of a putz. But he gets Bill sober. Then Bill is so enthusiastic about this doctor in Akron that he won't leave and come home to New York. In the summer of 35, Lois actually visits Akron, Ohio, because she couldn't get Bill Wilson to come back home. And he was doing such good work with Dr. Bob. They sobered up Bill Dotson. For a while, they sobered up Ernie Galbraith. For a while, they sobered up a couple of other guys in Akron, Ohio. But she could never understand in a million years how Ebby Thatcher, Bob Smith, Bill Dotson, Hank Parkhurst, and all the rest of Fitz Mayo, how in the name of the wide, wide world of sports did these drunks sober up her husband and she couldn't? It was baffling to her. She could not, for the life of her, wrap her brain around how in the name of God did these people get my husband sober and I could not. What the heck is going on here? How is this possible? Well, this is what we're talking about. It takes a drunk to talk to a drunk because of the language of the heart. In order for the message to be carried, what does it must have? It must have depth and weight. And how do you get the language of the heart? By suffering from the disease and tasting the sweetness of the recovery. Let's go to the next paragraph. Bottom of 128. He is not so unbalanced as they think, as they might think. Many of us have experienced desolation. We have indulged in spiritual intoxication. Like a gaunt prospector, belt drawn in over the last ounce of food, our pick struck gold. Joy at our release from a lifetime of frustration knew no bounds. Father feels he has struck something better than gold. For a time, he may try to hug the new treasure to himself. He may not see at once that he has barely scratched a limitless load, which will pay dividends only if he minds it for the rest of his life and insists on giving away the entire product. And that's exactly what we do. We make a discovery of this program and we get to keep it by passing it to others. I don't think there's a week goes by. Somebody doesn't say, I can't sponsor. I don't want to sponsor. I'm not going to sponsor. My friend in New Jersey, Kim G, she says, you're afraid to sponsor? You better be afraid not to sponsor. 
You better be afraid not to sponsor because without sponsoring, you will not recover from this disease. It's not going to happen. It is vital that you sponsor. It is an absolute requirement that you sponsor. If the family cooperates, I'm on 129. If the family cooperates, dad will soon see he is suffering from a distortion of values. He will perceive that his spiritual growth is lopsided, that for an average man like himself, a spiritual life which does not include his family obligations may not be so perfect after all. If the family will appreciate that dad's current behavior is but a phase in his development, all will be well. In the midst of an understanding and sympathetic family, these vagaries of dad's spiritual infancy will quickly disappear. Very important. Very important. We have a life that includes other people. No man is an island. You can't just have a life that just includes God and think you're achieving balance. There are people in my life, like most of you, all of you. I look forward very much every single day to getting on that Zoom meeting and seeing you guys and hearing your little narsh kite and what's going on. And I look forward every day to getting on a vision for you. I'm on the four o'clock in the morning meeting every day. That's the, that would be seven o'clock Eastern time, four o'clock uh, uh, Pacific time. So it's very, very important that I am on that meeting because for me, it is life-giving. It is life-giving, okay? So um, what we're gonna do is, I'm just gonna write down where we are. Let me just write this down here for just a second. May happen, okay. Um, the date today is September 2nd. So I know enough math to know seven and nine. Uh, two and seven is nine. So that's gonna be for, for nine, Nine twenty three. OK, the opposite may happen on page one twenty nine. OK, now we're going to turn this over to questions and answers. And because I can't.